listener I ever had. Welcome to... Actually, that's not true, by the way. (laughs) I can barely remember what happened last week. Um, Welcome to Ribbon of Memes, episode 97. This is a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other critics. Uh, That's a tenuous link to the film, I hope. Um, As masterpieces. I am Nick, the hard-bitten truffle hunter of the film. And I am joined, as ever, by Roger, my... There we go. I think that'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) And we are in the year 2021. We are rapidly approaching um, reality. Don't know what we're going to do then. Um, We have some ideas, actually. Um, But before we get there, we are discussing uh, our first Nicolas Cage film. We at Ribbon of Memes thought it was about time that we had Nicolas Cage um, involved in somehow in the podcast. So here we have him. In Michael Sarnowski's Pig uh, from 2021. This is also a first for us because it is the first film that was released after we started releasing this podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's, um, well, I don't know if that's terrifying. Well, that's, uh, that's interesting. Now, we, we weren't sure quite what films to watch, but I, I, again, I did feel for this year, I did feel like we haven't had enough Nicolas Cage in our podcast. Um, he's an interesting actor, <laughs> he's, Nicolas he's Cage. He's sort of because... touched the podcast before because he produced Shadow of the Vampire, or co-produced. Okay. And right. originally it was suggested that he might well be playing Shrek slash the Vampire. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be good. Um, but, but then he saw somebody else's screen... Uh, I can't remember who, who the chap who actually played it. He saw his screen test and said, okay, you know, this guy just has it, and, I, and better than I would, I'm going to step down. So, you know, I was very confused for a moment because I thought you meant Shrek, the pointy-eared ogre, um, in the Shrek films rather than Max Shrek. Oh, yes, I keep uh, forgetting that you have small children. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. He would have been great as Shrek. It's an interesting... Well, I mean, let, let's start. He was born Nic- Nicholas Kim Coppola. Uh, yes, well, yes nephew of Francis been, Ford. Who has been on the podcast before, um, briefly with Apocalypse Now. And, um, apparently the, when he, uh, the, the short version is he, ch- he changed his stage name to avoid accusations and nepotism. Uh, he, he got a lot of his early stuff in his uncle's films, which is fair enough. Um, but apparently a lot of it was also the first time he wasn't working for his uncle. Everybody was quoting Apocalypse Now and other Coppola films every time there was a break in filming. And he just, that, no, I just don't want to do that. Probably got a bit wearing. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of his films. Uh, I have no, seen no, I one have... which, if you look at the premise and the cast, should be great. Because <laughs> he's the lead opposite Sean Young. Oh, wow. Sadly, the film is Firebirds, aka Wings of the Apache, and it's basically, we ripped off Top Gun without any of the things that made Top Gun good. (laughs) Uh, Including, surprisingly, Tom Cruise. Um, Well, Um, he's he's an actor that sort of looms larger than, uh, you know, his reputation almost bigger than his... I don't want to say bigger than his performance because he's done some very big performances. Well, yeah, this is one of the things I, I think we've mentioned before. There are some actors who, yeah, you can put them in a piece of trash, mm. but you will get the full 
top of the line performance. Michael Caine is my canonical example for this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he, he, you can put him in Jaws 3 or whichever it, what it was he did and he Jaws will still, four, the thank you, he will still give you the full Michael Caine. He will. I believe it is fair to say that Nicholas Cage is not one of those actors and in some of the trash <laughs> he's been in, he clearly knows it's trash and he is going to ham it up because, you know, at least he's well, that's... something, you know, he's not just flopping about like a dead fish. What I find, so a few films I have seen Nicolas Cage in would be things like Con Air, where mm. he is uh, doing the the action hero, full-blown, over-the-top, the full cage, if you like. Uh, I've also seen him in Leaving Las Vegas, which is a very poignant, depressing film about a writer that decides to drink himself to death and mm. does that over the course of the film. And it's it's a very hard watch, but it is... You know, if you if you have any doubts about whether the guy can actually act, then uh, watch Leaving Las Vegas. He he can, and he he's a strange actor because I find whether he's phoning it in, whether he's hamming it up, whether he's chewing up the scenery, or whether he's actually acting, he's still watchable in all of those <laughs> capacities. And I don't mm. quite know why. Um, I don't quite know why. And but he, that's, he, I, he did have a sort of early dramatic breakthrough, and then a bit of a slump. And then he came back as an action star. And so yes, he, that was sort of Con Air and he, The Rock. He has been always happy to to turn himself into the sort of actor that was getting hired, and you know I, I'm not going to blame him for that. No, um, it's a... the thing, and I think it is the reason I'm taking such a long time to talk about this. I think it's actually relevant to this film. Yes, is particularly in his slightly trashy roles. Yes. Very often he, you have the pattern of he's being a normal guy, he's being a normal guy, and then he is pushed too far and you get the full cage rage. I absolutely agree with you that that's very relevant to this film. And I think I knew very little, I guess part of the reason we're discussing this, is basically this that we just talked about is, is more or less the sum total of the knowledge I had going into this film. Hmm. I didn't know anything about the film at all, but I knew about Nicolas Cage. I think I saw a trailer for it, but yeah. I may have done. I, I had read that it was a good film and that it was probably worth watching. Um, but I didn't know really anything about it. Um, other than I, I did actually, I knew that it was about a man looking for his pig. Um, and it is. <laughs> we have, um, a, well, it's Rob, but we don't kind of know that at first. We have this nameless guy in a shack in Oregon. Um, who hunts for truffles with his pig. Um, and he lives a pretty, um, Spartan existence, um, and trades these truffles for not money, but kind of valuable goods from the world outside. Think, things that he cannot basically forage from the forest. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, batteries and, um, cans of food and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and he's, he, he has um uh this kind of uh uh business guy this kind of young business guy comes and gets all this stuff clearly just thinks he's a complete weirdo and shows him no respect whatsoever um and but... given the price his truffles actually go for is clearly ripping him off six ways from sunday <laughs> absolutely so it, it's pretty clear it's an abusive relationship and you don't really know well that's that's kind of all you know then he gets his pig stolen um and then the film goes from there. Uh, so it's, it does, I think you're right to set up that because the film very much kind of sets up this kind of grunty backwards guy 
you don't know if he's got much of a history, you don't know anything about it. Um, he never, for the first, well, for all but the last five minutes of the film, washes off the blood from his face that he received during the pig ambush. Um, where he wakes up in a pool of blood, and that is there for the rest of the film, along with the other <laughs> blood that he accumulates. So he looks like this kind of terrifying mountain man. Because he's a big guy in it as well. Mm. Um, Nicholas Cage is quite tall, but he's also a bit bulked up, I think. Um, in an yeah, I mean, height, heights way. you can fake with camera tricks to a large extent, but yeah, he, mm. he's definitely physically impressive here. And he is... We have a bit, not quite the extreme, but we have a bit of um, a protagonist who is similar to Harry Dean Stanton in Paris, Texas. Yeah. So we have a similar... But not quite. <laughs> we have a similar pattern in the sense that he starts off very mute. And there's a nice moment, you know, he walks into a diner early on in the film and starts to say something and clears his throat because clearly he's just not used to talking. Hmm. And so it's it's nice that he's getting used to speaking again. Um, I quite see. I, some films um, quite early on, I'm like, Ugh. this is going to be a slog. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. And I'm afraid something like Roma was mm. like that for me. This film was the opposite. Some films like this, like um, the other one I, that stands out in my mind is The Pianist, um, which I just felt like quite early on, you know what, I'm in good hands here. I'm just going to mm. enjoy the film, yeah. I think. And and that I got that feeling quite early on with Pig. <laughs> that I, I was the, there were a couple it. of technical things that, that put me out of favour with it to start with, but yes, I, do, I agree with you. Well, certainly by the time we got to the diner, I, I was quite happy. And where she says, are you going to buy anything? Uh, he asks her the phone. She says, are you going to buy anything? She says, no. <laughs> it was just a quite <laughs> nice moment of, of honesty um, and, and shows the sort of person he is. But then we have... Then this is a film, to me at least, that just... Und- it sets up these expectations and then spends the rest of the film sort of undercutting them. Is that fair to say? Would you? Well, to some extent, and the, the way I saw it was, it is in effect a parody of the revenge film. It, oh, yes. It yes, has a lot of the same elements, but they are done deliberately differently. And you can recognize that this <laughs> is that element, but you also recognize, but this is not the standard. Yeah, that's the thing. You, you go into a Nick Cage film not knowing anything else about it, and it could be something pretty good, or it could be completely disposable trash. It could be The Wicker Man. Um, which is good <laughs> in ways that Pig isn't good. <laughs> maybe maybe um, we should double bill that and uh, colour out of space. Oh, we should do. We should do. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes. So, um, the, you know, there, there is a lot of the standard revenge plot here. There, There is danger to women, or at least female pigs, as motivation <laughs> for the hero to do stuff. Yeah, it sort of sets um, he, it up he, a bit like this is a slightly comedic version of a, a Taken film. He, he um, was an underground uh, fighter back in the day, and and he yes. and he has to imp- impress the guy who runs the fights. So he, so he gets into a fight, and you, you and just he just wait. stands there and gets beaten to a pulp. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't know whether the fights are supposed to be how long he can take to get hit or what, but basically he's covered in blood. He looks kind of terrifying at that point. Um, he's written his name in an ominous fashion on the board and everyone's kind of gasps and it's the first time you learn his name which means nothing to us as the viewer but it's Rob um, Robin Felt is it mm. uh, left um, but everyone obviously knows his name um, and then yeah he just stands there and gets hit for a minute and a bit um, 
and does nothing. Doesn't there's no cage rates. It's just very passive about it. Um, yeah, uh, and and there are, there are other things like that. We'll come back to later, but yeah. Well, and the other nice uh, well, so it, it yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's a parody of Revenge. It sets you up for this, and there's a number of scenes where it kind of builds up the tension like that, and then just he handles them in a different i mean they're all effectively it follows you're right exactly the same tempo of a revenge film you know he comes up to an obstacle he defeats it but the way he defeats it is utterly unexpected Mm. um i mean we start to get hints that he knows how to cook um and then it turns out that basically it was this um incredible chef um that everyone remembers um and had this uh wonderful restaurant um and and we get some nice touchy moments with uh you know one of the biggest films one of the biggest surprises for me almost was not nicholas cage because i knew he could act but it was um uh alex wolf so we have this uh his sidekick if you like um mm. amir who starts out as this pretty unlikable businessman that's clearly exploiting him and then he gets this uh really quite touching backstory um you know you realize that his father's awful to him um and he he talks about his mother committing suicide and then we find out either it was a failed suicide attempt or that was just a lie because he wanted her dead because the situation she's in now is worse than death and we get that and we see or maybe it was to try to manipulate um rob who we know also has a dead wife Yes, yeah, we don't quite know the moment, but we uh, we see this genuine kind of, if not quite friendship, but kind of respect developing between them. Uh, very um, grudging respect, let us very say. Very grudging. I mean, well, the, Rob is the kind of guy that, you know, the fact that he isn't actually un- actively unpleasant to you is a sign of respect, <laughs> <It's> a <laughs> sign of respect, um, which he starts to do. And they almost, and, and I found that quite touching. Um but the, yeah, so we, we, we follow this fairly linear trail of one clue to another clue to another clue to another clue. It comes out that it's Amir's dad who's actually taken the pig, uh, for his own nefarious purposes, but basically to get truffles cheaper than his son can or to undercut his son's truffle business or mm. that, something along those lines. Um, and we have this encounter with a chef in the restaurant who... Yeah, that that was one of the key moments for me. The, the guy who used to work for Rob back in the day. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and was... is now doing the extremely foofy foodie, you know, it, it's all about the experience rather than the actual taste. So again, we have this scene where he's sitting at the table in this quite posh restaurant covered in blood uh, saying, I want to talk to the chef. And, you know, in a... In a Taken movie, this would be the scene where, you know, the, the chef gets skewered by his own kebabs. Yeah, um, somebody's, somebody's get, they get their hand pinned to the table with a carving knife, yeah. Exactly, yeah. But here he, he sits him down and he just talks him through his life path and are you happy and what are you doing? And when, when you work with you, me, when you, you, you had a you, dream. You wanted to make real food for real people. Yeah. Yeah. And what are you doing now with all this? nonsense and it's it's a really nice it's I, again it's as you say it's like a revenge scene it's, but instead of the fight uh exactly where the fight would be someone's inserted this kind of touching scene where he um he's not with no kind of brutality or aggression he just uses the right words to 
completely destroy <laughs> destroy this poor chef. Not in an aggressive way, but make him realise that he's completely chosen the wrong life path um, and betrayed his own principles. I was, um, I don't. I mean, a part of me at that point was thinking, I don't know, it's not very realistic. But I, the other part of me didn't care. It's a film, and what's so realistic about? Uh, someone defeating a whole room full of ninja chefs and pinning them to the table. <laughs> you know, at least it made more sense than that, and it, it was in place of that scene, so it worked very well for me. Yeah, yeah, that worked very. I mean, re- where I have a problem with the film, it's really that that it, that is its basic trick, and it does it again and again and again. Mm. Now, it's a good trick. It's done well. It's not done yes. exactly the same way each time, but there there isn't. I it. it it's a parody, but it doesn't work on its own terms because you know, he, he's having to follow the arc of the revenge plot, not yeah. his actual personal arc. That that's where it falls a little short for me. I agree with you. I mean, I've got, I forgive it a bit because it's ninety minutes long, which yeah. is a, a blessed yeah. relief. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's still. I mean, the the other. Uh, scene which he is basically the same you know he finally encounters the guy who's set up as this violent guy you don't want to cross me you don't want to fuck with me get out of here and and you know that would be he's set up as the you know the boss at the end of the film hmm. and the way he wins that fight is cooking him a meal um yeah and it i it worked for me because uh it uh, i i didn't see it coming that the meal he cooked was the exact meal that he'd cooked years ago, he'd made for them years ago when he was still with his wife and they had a great night out. And um, uh, it just... Uh, well, there's could... another bit of that. Um, the the visiting the, the tomb scene. Yes. Which in so many films, I'm starting with, I think it was Terminator 3. <laughs> yes. This is where the, this is where the hor- horrific weapons are all stashed. But no, this is where the wine is stashed. <laughs> it, well, yeah, the wine the you can't more, get anymore. The more we talk, I mean, there are some. I mean, I don't know how how much emotional power a salted baguette has, um, but it. <laughs> but again, it, it. I agree with you. To be fair, it, it does pull that trick too many times, and I would. I'm perhaps being more favourable to the film than I need to be because it had won me over. But I, I hmm. agree, and. It does. Uh, I, I, there are undercurrents here. You know, it is really. It, it turns out, um, again, to undercut us that the pig has been dead the whole time. That during the kidnap, it was injured so badly that it, it, it. Uh, they didn't get a good vet. There, or it was just mishandled. Yeah. Yeah, but either way, the, the pig is no more. Assuming he's and, telling the truth, but I think we're supposed to think that. He well, is. yeah. I mean, thematically, you know, the fight has been won. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I would say. Yeah, probably the pig is already dead by the time he sets out looking for it. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, not great. But it, it has nice little, mo- like, you know, afterwards. Uh, he's not then consumed by rage or horror or burns the place. He just has, to, just has to accept that this thing that he loved is gone, like a lot of us do. Um, so that sort of, sort of took us out of the revenge territory. And there's a nice moment when he says, well, if I didn't come looking for her, um, she'd still be alive in my head. Um, and again, there's obviously some touchstones there because the pig in some ways is a metaphor for his wife or a link with his wife, whether she got him the piglets, um, <laughs> uh, mm. or, uh, 
it, it, there's clearly, you know, he's he's not just talking about the pig when he says uh, that. Um, he's talking about his wife as well, and it. I, I'm not quite sure what point it's trying to make. If it really has a point at all, it just seems to be musing on loss. Um, hmm. I, I think to some extent, and gi- given that we, we see him at the beginning when the pig is still there, unable to listen to the tape that his wife made him before she died. Yes. And at the end, he can listen to it. Uh, that, that I think that's suggesting that the pig is, has been a way of not thinking about his wife. Yeah. he's He's been on some sort of journey. He doesn't seem to be all that different by the end but yes he's more he's accepted the loss a bit better somehow the loss of his pig and revisiting his old life has allowed him to accept a loss that he couldn't before but it's not like he then rejoins society he's clearly maybe going to get another pig maybe not but he's no plans to leave his shack anytime soon Mm. um but it's i suppose it didn't really have any answers and didn't really pose any huge questions but it did well, part part of the problem for me is is that Darius is clearly going to go on being a horrible person. Uh, I mean, this yes. this particular thing didn't work, but you know yes. he, he has no reason not to keep trying to undermine his son in in other ways. I suppose you get the feeling Amir at least might try um, being a better person for a while. Um, <laughs> Maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, until he gets the bill for getting his car panel repaired, <laughs> the door, the bill panel of his car repaired. Um, I, I went with it. I mean, I, do, I, I, I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. It is basically a parody of a revenge film, or at least it, it kind of is a revenge film, but in place of. Well, all that's the thing. I mean, it's following the plot outline, but yeah, substituting yeah. the individual bits. And so I don't know that it is any more. Um, thoughtful or meditative, um, but I, I was a little disappointed that we still. I mean, yes, that the the pig in danger is a great thing, replacement for the girlfriend slash wife in danger. But we do still have a dead wife. We do still have a comatose mother who yeah. exists basically to motivate the men. So that's a bit of a there, shame. There isn't a lot of um, or there isn't any female agency here. There, there is. You, there, there are many female characters baker. here. Yeah, we have the one baker um, who he visits, who gives him the salted baguette. Um, but even then, she's he's kind of... Yeah, there's one of the pig thieves, there's the fellow truffle gatherer. That's about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But none of them are... I, I mean, to be honest, this is a two, maybe three-hander, really, in that it's um, mm. uh, Rob and Amir and Darius. Um, uh, yeah, so it is a... a Testosterone and bacon fueled, uh, non revenge <laughs> flick. <laughs> that would be my quick one line summary of it. Um, I, I was, oh, well, we spent a lot of time talking about Nicholas Kane. What did you think of his performance here? Then? I really liked it. I mean, this is, this yeah. is one of the real acting ones. It is. So, you know, we talked about the cage rage when we came into this. It just does not appear here. Rob is a very passive, placid, man really but, but i think it's a good part of the film experience that you're always thinking hang on this is nick cage he might at any moment well that i wonder how much of the the way this film succeeds is that you're kind of expecting it and it undercuts it um mm. by it never arriving and nicholas cage is easily a good enough actor you know to wow you in other ways but yeah it's it's um I, I really liked it. I mean, I, I have liked him before in other films. Um, I, we do need to watch Scalera Space and The Wicker Man, definitely. <laughs> um, but it is, this is one of his, like, as you say, his leaving Las Vegas in that it's, 
it's very good. The thing about Leaving Las Vegas, though, is it's actually painful to watch, and I certainly don't want to watch it again. I think right. I would maybe watch Pig again, because I, I just enjoyed mm-hmm. the the mood of it. The fe- It left me melancholy, and um, which is one of my favourite moods. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, you know, contemplative about loss, uh, which I, well, I don't know. That is a place, that, it were, in a similar way, though, I think a much inferior film is Never Let Me Go, but it had that same, same mood to it. Uh, I think Never Let Me Go pushes into melodrama and is too melancholic. This did um, a better job for me. I mean, I could believe yeah. in the relationships. It's not, you know, just hormonal teenagers who've never seen somebody the right shape with the bumps in the right place before. Was, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. I, I, I agree. that I, I, To me, this works much better and is, uh, crucially, much shorter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will... Um, I, I did mention some technical things. I, I found it very dark a lot of the time. Yes. Um, uh, I mean, you you can have a, an unlit cabin in the forest brackets next day and you can you can see what's going on, or you can film it so you can't see what's going on. And I I yeah. did feel that it was really you no, know, I, I could do with some. I was turning up brightness and contrast to try to work it out here. Possibly if I'd been in a darkened cinema rather than outside on a sunny day, though granted undercover, that might have worked better. <laughs> now I watched it last night in a dark room, and so I didn't experience that problem so much but i it was dark um and if there were fight sequences i wouldn't have been able to make out what was going on um, but unfortunately you didn't have to unfortunately i didn't have to there's <laughs> only one fight sequence and it wasn't really a fight it was just someone getting punched in the stomach for a minute for a minute um yeah the the, the yeah. early sound was a bit muddy for for nick's voice but but the piggly yes. grunts came out beautifully so you know can't really complain <laughs> about that they were wonderful piggly grunts. i missed them for the rest of the film pig never turns up again unless it's in a sandwich somewhere that we don't know <laughs> i i i was also slightly struck i i thought I didn't realise at the time that this was an early sign of what was going to be happening uh in in a short scene where he's chopping up truffles and mushrooms and other things and, and making a meal on his little gas stove or whatever in the cabin. Oh, and, yeah. and it's all shot with the, the jerky fast cuts and, oh, this is an action scene, this is. <laughs> yes, but he's cooking. And I get it doesn't really play up the cooking too much, but the hints are there that you realise he's actually quite a good cook. Um, mm. Again, maybe that's undercutting... Um, was it Under Siege, where Stephen Scowl is a cook who's also a Navy SEAL? Um, yeah, but I don't think we ever see it. Oh, do we? Oh, I think he does. He gets to do one thing where he points out, well, yes, I actually am a competent cook, but it's not yes. his thing. Uh, no, he, he's better at uh, murdering. Um, lovely. Well, I, do, I don't have much more to say about Pig, other than I very much... I mean, uh, unusually for Ribbon of Memes, I watched it all in one sitting, and I, I had meant to just watch 10 or 15 minutes. Um, but I, I just went with it. Um, mm. Again, if it had been two hours plus, I almost certainly wouldn't have done that. Um, I can't emphasise enough how much having a 90-minute <laughs> film is, is a pleasure. Yeah, um, I mean, it could probably have been made shorter, but it worked for me at 90 minutes. I, I was yeah. I was never feeling, no, no, this is moving too slowly, get on with it. So It definitely would have been too slow as a longer film. Um, by the end of the film, you felt you'd been watching it long enough. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, which but I not think is fair. Long. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard point to hit. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, ugh, I uh, masterpiece-wise, do you think it's a masterpiece? Right? <sighs> My temptation is to say no because of the the darkness of it, and that. Um, okay. But 
it, it's awfully close. And, you know, I, I, I came out of it thinking, yeah, okay, not too impressed. But now, now a couple of days later, I actually, I'm, I'm really liking it much more in retrospect. Yeah. And okay. So if, I, I think I will probably, in fact, say yes. I liked it more immediately. And it, it is a film that will stay with me much like, um, Promising Young Woman. Um, I do think Promising Young Woman probably a bit well it's hard to compare the two um but i think for me personally yes i think it's a masterpiece i'd love i certainly it's a masterly performance by nicholas cage um mm. i have no interest or liking for revenge films normally so this is my favorite non-revenge film that i have watched i think one of the very first films that i remember choosing to go and see on my own rather than, you know, it's out there and parents take me to the cinema and so on, was Commando. Okay, yes. Uh, You know, Arnie's grunty period. Okay. And I I still have very positive feelings about that, and that that is a revenge film. I would maybe, yeah, actually, but that was one of the, well, maybe not one of the first. I mean, they were around for a while, weren't they? But something about an 80s fueled, these modern, grimy, I don't know, perhaps we should watch the John Wick films at some point, though not... Uh, currently for reasons um, <laughs> that uh, will become apparent in our next episode. Yeah, but but it's it, it certainly been suggested that this, this is influenced by those as well. I bet it is, yeah. I, maybe uh, I, I don't have much experience of the genre otherwise, um, uh, but uh, if this is the only revenge film I ever watched, then I'm quite happy with it. Well, I mean, get, thinking about John Wick briefly... Um, that that's another that it's being really obvious here. We we are going to just be really unsubtle here. We've got to establish motivation. Okay, they did actually kill his dog. Right. Okay. That was a present from his dead wife. Okay. Let, let, let us hit all the points in as few actions as possible and get on with the carnage. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and again, that that is a knowing thing. I, I think we, we we've talked before about films that really should end their genres, and I think that is a, that is one that does. Yeah, I feel, I feel you're right. I, I want to know how, how you can spin three films out of that, but I'm not sure I want to watch three films to do it, but I'm told by lots of people they're very good, but, um, I tire of action sequences pretty quickly, it turns out. Mm. Again, uh, I, I do, I do have a soft spot for the uh, 80s Hong Kong action style, so. <laughs> I have a soft spot for 80s Arnie's films, so I, I might yeah. well give Commando a go. I don't think I've ever actually seen Commando, but, um, Maybe I'll watch them. Anyway, there we are, Pig. Yeah. We both liked it. Um, uh, very good. Um, yeah, this was a short episode. But yeah, I think director's discovered... first feature, I believe he's now working on A Quiet Place Day 1, a, a.k.a. A Quiet Place 3, the prequel. Okay. Um, I liked A Quiet Place. I haven't seen A Quiet Place 2 uh, or A Quiet Place. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um Quiet Place was good. I don't think it was great, um, but yeah, that's that's uh, well. I I liked this one, and he he wrote this one as well, didn't he? Uh, uh, Michael Sarnowski. Um Yeah, with he yeah he uh, yes, he's the sole credited screenwriter. Uh, Vanessa Block gets a story by co credit with him. Uh, she was also a screenwriter on his uh, documentary, The Testimony. Which which was the only thing he'd actually made before this. Okay, well, I'd certainly uh, be happy to watch him again, uh, or, or watch one of his films again. I'd certainly be happy to watch more Nicholas Cage. Um, so, um, 
there we are. Um, should we talk about 2021 in film? Yeah, so the pandemic is still happening. Various countries are, are admitting this or otherwise. Was uh, there a pandemic? China's still highest grossing, though that's actually because of, largely because of one particular film, the highest grossing Chinese film ever, which um, we'll talk about in a, in, uh, in a bit. Uh, okay. So at the Academy Awards, let's see, Coda gets three big ones out of three overall. Best Don't Picture, uh, Supporting Actor and Adapted Screenplay. It's, it's a coming of age sure. thing. With a deaf family, am I thinking? Am I right about that? Uh, child, child of uh, brackets hearing, child of deaf adults. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, I'm not big on coming of age. <laughs> no, no. I think we've discovered that during during this podcast. Uh, so let's see, uh, Jessica Chastain gets Best Actress for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I mean, I remember the whole backer thing when it happened, so I'm not terribly yeah. interested. No, I, I I can't say I'm too interested in that one. Uh, Power of the Dog, Jane Campion. Uh, we did wonder about that one. Don't know. It didn't really appeal to us this time round. Uh, Will Smith gets Best Actor for King Richard. Oh dear, did that go well? I, uh, I heard good things about it. I'm thinking about the Oscar ceremony, but maybe that was 2022. <laughs> I I've forgotten which one was Oscars so white. I mean, largely it's all of them, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this particular one was, uh, basically Will Smith is Richard Williams, father of Venus and Serena Williams. Yeah, I, I do find Will Smith watchable, not always now. I think he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily elevate the material he's in, but I think he certainly, in that he's been in some crap and I thought it was crap. Um, I, I think he but tends... I think when the material's good, he, he rises to it. I think he's in a position now where he can pick and choose a bit and tends to do the good stuff, but I remember some of the crap he's been in and that that's not his fault. Yeah, that's fair point. Yeah. Uh, see, there's the West Side Story remake gets uh, wins supporting actress for Ariana DeBose. Um, another that's one... Spielberg. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the original. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's not for us. Not well, maybe we're not the target audience. But, uh, I, I'm not intrinsically opposed to musicals. I just don't see a lot of appeal. But I'm, I'm a big fan of Guys and Dolls. Brackets original. So what can okay, I say? Yeah. Um, I do like the odd musical, but um, South Park, the the movie, is my favourite musical. So, uh, yeah. The the other well winner for the big awards is uh, Belfast, which is uh, Kenneth Branagh original screenplay. Oh, okay. But I hadn't know that. I, it's, a lot of these more recent ones have passed me by a bit. But um, yeah, th- this is well into the stage where I'm looking at trailers and thinking, oh, this looks like a lot of other films, which is the job of a trailer, as as, as I understand it. Uh, certainly, the impression I get, particularly when I see a trailer and it looks rubbish, and then I see the film later and it's actually quite good, is the job of the trailer is to say this is a film that fits in your comfortable category that you like. You know, it's Please a it's it, a yeah. rom-com, it's a sci-fi action or whatever. Anything that is original, distinctive about it is not going to get mentioned in the trailer. Well, in a way, that's a bit of a spoiler. You know, if it says like, oh, this is like this, only different, then it can undercut uh, the intentions of the movie. But I agree, that makes it hard to attract people. Um, well, it makes it, it makes it hard to attract me with the way they do it, so... I tend not to watch trailers nowadays anyway. I just read about the film and think... Oh, I, I found it interesting. Pig. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, the other other one that's notable, uh, because it gets six Oscars, though none of the major ones, and that 
is a classic pattern for a science fiction or fantasy film, and in this case, it's Dune. Okay, well, we do. We wondered about that for this podcast, Dune but we have done one. a couple of uh, Villeneuve films before. Yeah, have, having seen those, tremendously well for us, and in my case, not being much of a fan of the actual book, <laughs> I, I feel that this is two separate reasons that I'm going to go into it not being enthused, not and be- I, I think I would find it very hard to give it a fair viewing, even if it's the best film in the world at that point. I don't want to get um, assaulted by fandom. I'm a little perplexed by Dune because I've read it and I didn't hate it. I thought it was okay. And I don't, I'm, I'm a little perplexed as to why it is venerated in, in sort of the way that it is by some fandom. But then Well, I, what, one thing to consider is it was the first book that did a bunch of things, or at least it was the first popular book that did a bunch of things, and that that is a perspective that is hard to regain from here, where the good stuff has been endlessly copied, and so is yeah. the bad stuff. So, All right, con- well, consider, yeah, for example, The Lord of the Rings. Yes, yeah. Uh, from, from our perspective as, uh, you know, 80s, 90s fantasy readers, it doesn't look all that special. <laughs> well, maybe that is a difference, and without being really, Dune I came to in my 30s, um, having everyone tell me how, not everyone, but all the people who liked it really liked it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and I probably, I think that's a fair point, if I'd come to Lord of the Rings in, Lord of the Rings in the same fashion, the same thing may have happened to me. So, uh, that's mm. a fair point. So, over at the box office, uh, at number 10. Was, was there a box office still? Yeah. 2010? Yeah. Uh, China was still a bigger market overall, but not, but not by as much. Okay. Hollywood was on its way back. Yeah. Uh, and I think there are, yeah, three Chinese films in the top 10 this time round. Sing 2 is at number 10. Um, Okay, yeah, well, that's, um. So, talk, talking good. of musicals as we were, and indeed, um, animation as we were. It's not quite, I mean, they're, they're um, you know, they're all pop hits, I think. Yeah, uh, the, the technical term is apparently jukebox musical, if, if they're basically uh, already okay. well known songs. They're not written than, for the film. Yeah. Uh, okay, jukebox music. Well, it's, it's good. I like it. I, I believe they were, they were covered for the film rather than being the standard. Uh, yes, by the actors, I think, in the most part. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I do find that an awful lot of modern, mostly CG animation looks basically the same to me. Mm. And that does put me off. I think that's, that's fair. The, the, the technology is there actually to put your own distinctive art style on a lot of these things, and some films do. But that costs more money than just buying the model of somebody else, I suspect. <laughs> That's true. Um, yes. Mind you, there, there, there are some films where I think, I'm sure I've seen that specific V22 in this supposedly real sequence before. You used the same model as that other guy. I can see that scar on the door. Oh my god. <laughs> I've never noticed that. Um, but I'm perhaps not as observant. Um, I thought The Incredibles had a, a more distinctive art yeah. style than many. Yeah. So yeah. I, I Interesting that they managed to make them look the same for Incredibles too, even though they basically had to rebuild them from scratch because it was a different technology base. Anyway. Uh, anyway yeah. so number nine, uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is, I mean, technically it's a superhero film because yeah. Shang-Chi is a Marvel Comics superhero, apparently. As I was just saying, I've seen a lot of Hong Kong action films, 
and I enjoy them very greatly, and I don't feel I need to see Americans doing a Hong Kong action film, though <laughs> at least one person fair I know point. thought this was absolutely wonderful and wonderful, great entertainment, so, you know, fair enough. This was at the point where my interest in Mark... Not that I was that interested, but I watched Endgame, uh, and I haven't really watched any of the Marvel films since then, except the Spider-Man one, which is very good. The impression... They... Yeah. The impression I'm getting is that they have run out of superheroes that normal people have heard of. I mean, arguably, mm-hmm. arguably they did that off after um, Captain America, but you know, they, at this point they've run out, <laughs> of the, run out of superheroes that people who aren't comics fans have heard of. They're doing like Werewolf by Night now, which apparently is quite good. But I just, um, yeah, they're they're basically hitting the brick wall that the comics did that they expanded all their. Uh, lines and now people aren't buying them in the same thing and they're going to have to do something to fix it whether they do a crisis on infinite earths I think they are going to do secret wars or whatever it is at some point but by <laughs> that point they're just doing what the comics did and I've lost interest so at number 8 uh, Godzilla versus Kong Oh, I've seen that more times than I would like to because my son is an absolute um, nutter for Keiju. And I've I, I quite like the original uh, Godzilla. And, you know, the first few films I quite enjoy. I'm, I'm not into the whole, you know, monster versus monster and all the rest of it, but I do like the... Now, do you, by original, do you mean the 50s ones? Yeah. Or the 2000s? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, like the, the, this is how we horror. cope with having been atomic bombed. Yes, yeah, so I, I love a bit of atomic horror. The modern ones are, um, they're trying to build a, uh, trying to do a Marvel Cinematic Universe with, um, giant titan monsters or kaiju. Um, uh, well. Yeah, Legendary Pictures Monsterverse, apparently. The Monsterverse, yes. Um, which I, uh, tonight I was having an imaginary battle with my son where I could be a Monsterverse creature and he could be any other kaiju. And sadly, I know enough to know the difference between those now at this point. Um, <laughs> all I can say is it works for my son, who is a huge fan, and he could give zero shits about superhero films. So Fair enough. I don't know what that means, but um, I, it's uh, it's interesting anyway. Okay, so at number seven, we have a superhero film. Uh, <laughs> uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Oh, goodness me. Which is... I mean, this, yeah, this this is technically a Spider-Man spin-off, and th- well, this this is Sony Spider-Man is... universe as opposed to Marvel Spider-Man universe. Oh, that's right. Because yeah, okay, it's it's, it's getting as complicated now as like Joker having his own film. It's not clear whether there's a Batman in that film. I don't think there is. I don't know. It's oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really care. I mean, the, the Marvel stuff, the licensing is complicated because historically they licensed it to various companies who who did a fairly poor job of with Spider-Man particularly making films. Yeah, and and I mean, this is third, fourth time round in the 21st century for Spider-Man. I've, I've lost track. Uh, well, yeah, fourth. Anyway. Is it his fourth incarnation? It's not as many as Batman's had, though. It's like on his sixth incarnation or something by now. Anyway, directed by Andy Serkis, um, Tom Hardy stars. So, like yeah. Andy Serkis. So, well, we've liked Tom Hardy before, but... Um, uh, on the other actually, hand, it's still a superhero film, so... It is, and maybe the, the, the least... The least uh, important factor of me in liking Mad Max 4 was probably Tom Hardy. Um, I think uh, Charlize Theron was much more of a mm. character in it. Anyway. Uh, so, at number six, uh, Detective Chinatown 3. Surprisingly enough, this is the first of our Chinese films. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and it, it, it's basically a buddy cop film with a bit of a 
with, with a lot of slapstick. Um, can't remember whether we talked about this before, but my, my experience at least of Hong Kong and indeed mainland Chinese films is they tend to be a lot broader in genre. So, you know, you, you'll get yeah. serious, serious wafu action and these two assholes doing slapstick. Well, I did see Rush Hour, which I think is the Americans trying to do this. Um, and I quite enjoyed Rush Hour, I must say, uh, which is Jackie Chan and, um, Chris Rock. Is it Chris Rock? Anyway, um, but yeah, I haven't seen any of the original versions. Uh, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Sorry, Chris Rock. Um, Chris Tucker's a very irritating version of Chris Rock, <laughs> as far as I can tell. Um, so at number five we have F9 and they, you know, they don't even need a title anymore. It's Fast and Furious, guys. Family! <laughs> it doesn't even have to be FF9, though they have just come out with Fast, Fast 10. I can't believe they haven't called it Fast 10 Your Seat Belts, but there we go. Missed well, opportunity. Did, they did do the eight of the Furious after all, so. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I feel this is not the place to enter this series. Sadly, I've <laughs> seen the first one. <laughs> Uh, I think we should watch all of them. First one, I was actually trying to be vaguely serious for a bit. I think they've given up. In fact, I think by about in the last four, one, they drove a car into space, I think, in the last one. <laughs> <laughs> I could uh, be wrong. So, number four, uh, No Time to Die, uh, 25th of the Eon Productions James Bond films. Uh, Daniel Craig finally gets to stop playing the role, though sadly this isn't the end of James Bond. They're apparently planning to make more films. I thought at least Craig was an attempt to actually make him less of an asshole. Um, you know, in this one, well, more, more, more of an asshole, but le- less less comedic, perhaps. Less less Roger Moore about it. That's we <laughs> <laughs> didn't quip quite so much. But spoilers: uh, he, the Daniel Craig incarnation of James Bond dies in this film, um, and he does it to sac- he sacrifices his life to protect. Uh, I think his wife and his child. Um, uh, I think I say I think because I haven't. I've only watched the end bit where he pops it because I wanted to see what happened. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, he's, he's a he's a he's a more twenty uh, twenty Bond than the other Bonds have been. None of which I think could even be acceptable nowadays. But I don't know where you go with Bond nowadays from here. Hopefully. Uh, you go to the recycle bin because he's an asshole of a character and always was from whenever he was written. Yeah, I, I do rather like Roger Moore's comments. Um, well, I think it was when he was filming View to a Kill, uh, he realised that the, the girl he was snogging was the daughter of a girl he used to go out with. Thought, okay, maybe <laughs> it's time I retire from this role. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At that point, perhaps he should start. I've got a soft spot for Roger Moore. If, if I have to have a... But, by all accounts, a really nice guy in person. Exactly, yes. Yeah, went went out of his way to make, make life better for the fans, that kind of thing. So Yes, yeah. And I, I like a quippy Bond. Um, if I'm going to have a Bond, I'd rather it was Tom and Cheap than Desperately Serious. But I'd rather not have a Bond at all. Indeed. Frank. Uh, so at number three, our second Chinese film, Hai Mom, which is basically a Chinese comedy film that I know very little about. Very okay. much intended for the domestic market. Fair enough. Number two, it's, it's our last of the Chinese films. It's a really interesting one. Uh, the Battle of Lake Changjin. Okay. Now, if I say it was commissioned by the Central Propaganda Department of the Chinese Communist Party, as <laughs> part of, part of the party's 100th anniversary celebrations, and it is basically a story of the Korean War, um, more or less the Battle of the Chosin Reservoir. Commissioned by the Propaganda Department of the Chinese yeah. uh, Communist so, Party. Yeah, so it's basically how, how China heroically made the US retreat. 
that, I mean, Which I can see why you think of, that's interesting. Yes. Oh, I'm not planning uh, to watch it, but but uh, no. well, if, if yeah. you didn't hear about it, that may be why. <laughs> but but it, the second highest grossing film in the world in 2020. Yep, and highest grossing Chinese film ever, though obviously some of that's inflation. Goodness me. And at number one, and I think this may be one you've actually seen, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes, I have, and that's uh, all right. Uh, well, it, it is very... <laughs> Tom Holland is a very likeable Spider-Man. Um, it has all the old Spider-Men in it, and finally they do some copyright shenanigans to sort of slightly blend the Sony and Marvel universes, which there's enough of a geeky <laughs> fanboy in me still to be a little thrilled to see different incarnations. of The same fanboy that still gets excited about multiple Doctor Whos on the screen at once, even though I don't frankly like Doctor Who all that much. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I still get excited by that sort of thing. Um, and it, but it, it's a good, probably not as good as the previous Spider-Man film, but it's pretty good. Anyway, that's um, twenty twenty one in film, and I say we we have not mentioned our other pick for twenty twenty one. No, we haven't. Which may be slightly delayed due to various holidays and things, but we will be back. We will be back, yeah, and also we have to watch a lot of films for the next one. Which is <laughs> well, I better go back to hunting for truffles. Run. Right.